0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. And the church said, amen, amen to that. Happy Mama's Day. Good seeing all your smiling faces. Yeah, let's give it up for our mamas. Come on, come on. We can do better than that. We absolutely need our mamas. It reminded me about a, about a joke I heard a, a, a while ago. I shared it with a couple of people yesterday. It was, it, was a, it was a husband and a wife, and the, and the husband was a, a big-time CEO, and they decided to go home to, the, uh, to her hometown to visit. And while they were there, they went into a, a, a gas station, and as they were pulling into a gas station, the guy who was pumping the gas had, uh, started talking to his wife. And that conversation went on, and she never introduced him to, to who he was, and he was getting a little annoyed. Why didn't she introduce him? The conversation went on for a little while, and, and, and after it was done, he was like, well, who was that? And the guy and, and the wife said, well, well that was just, just, just an old uh, boyfriend. <laughs> now he's really annoyed because you didn't introduce him the whole nine yards. And then he looks at, he, he says, so he figures he's going to give himself some comeuppance. And he says, Well, aren't you glad that, that uh, you married a, a CEO and, and you didn't marry this guy who's just pumping gas? And she turned to him and said, If I'd have married him, he'd be the CEO and you'd be pumping gas. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we wanna, we wanna, we wanna, and the women said, amen. All the mamas said, amen. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. I'm, I'm causing problems right from the word go. Listen, we're also celebrating 22 years. Our, our church was birthed on Mother's Day. Yes. And we had a picnic yesterday, and we had several people get uh, baptized as well. Have you missed, are you missing the church picnics? You are just missing something good. A lot of people showed up, a lot of food, a lot of fellowship, and so we just, it was, it was great. I wanna, uh, when you get a chance, uh, Frank got baptized, Blake got baptized, Cami got baptized. Whenever you see them, just congr- con- congratulate them as well. And so today is the exciting conclusion to our series that we've been calling The Sweet Life. So I'm going to say The Sweet Life. And by now, you should know the verse that we've been working off of. It's Psalms 34:8, which says, read it out loud with me. One, two, three, go. See. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. If you believe it, say amen like you mean it. Come on, somebody. Amen. amen. Now... One of the many things that I I love about the Bible is that it doesn't sugarcoat the lives of the people in it. It it will tell you, it will show you all sides. It will show you their accomplishments, but it will also show you their weaknesses and their struggles. Like like David, the mighty man of God, how many of you know he had his flaws? Uh, He he had a little incident called Bathsheba that, that caused some issues in his life. Abraham, Abraham had a tr- had trouble, uh, even though he was he considered a, the, the father of faith and all these other things. He he had he had troubles with the truth. They said Moses wasn't the most confident guy. He was a stutterer. It, 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 Elijah, at some point, got uh, suicidally depressed. All right, so he's just, he's calling down fire from heaven, and in, in one breath and in the next breath, you know, he's running for his life, thinking that you know he's the only one left. There was uh, Samson. Samson was a, uh, uh, you know, we all, we, we all know what his issues were, right? I mean, strongest guy on the planet, and he, you know, he had a problem with the ladies. He, it, was, it was his downfall. And then there was Samuel, a great prophet of God, but his children, he, you, you would think, you know, he, he was raised to listen to, to the voice of the Lord, but his children, the Bible says, didn't follow in his footsteps. They went astray. So it's not even automatic when you're you're trying to live for the Lord. We got to pray for our kids. Amen? Amen. And of course, there was King Solomon who was considered the wisest man who ever walked the earth. But toward the end of his life, he compromised. And we're going to see some of those compromises, not just in his life, but in the lives of other people. So the Bible, it, it, it gives strength, but it also exposes their weaknesses. And in the same way, the Bible tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good. But Jesus in another place warned us that he, he says he, he lets us all know that in this world we will have trouble. Not might. You will have trouble in this world. And so my question to you this morning is what do you do when trouble comes knocking at your door? When, when things get difficult out of seemingly nowhere? What happens when the road that was smooth Before you, all of a sudden, becomes rocky. And that's the tasty treat we're diving into today, rocky road ice cream. (laughs) You like that little transition? And just so you know, I've been giving you memory verses at the end of each thing, but I couldn't put ice cream on the back of this. (laughs) But we worked it out, so don't, don't worry about it. And so Rocky Road ice cream, a combination of nuts and marshmallows and chocolate. Of course, the ice cream sounds so good, doesn't it? Mm. By the way, right right in the foyer, the kids will be doing their last fundraiser. I know I said last week was the last one, but today is going to be the the last one. They're selling two scoops with all the fixings for just $5. So we're going to support them. All the money goes towards sending them to camp and giving you a break for a week. <laughs> it's a good investment. It's a good investment. <laughs> my kids was mom, man, you go going to camp. So I know now, now I put the idea of ice cream. I'm, now I'm going to have to hurry up with my message. I know it. Now I found it interesting to look up the etymology of Rocky Road ice cream. It said that the ice cream, of course, has chocolate, it has marshmallows, it has almonds, formerly walnuts. It was created by a fellow by the name of William Dreyer. William Dreyer. And you might recognize the name because he he was one of the owners of Dreyer's uh, Grand Ice Cream Holdings Incorporated. And it was created in the year 1929. 1929. Anybody know what was going on in America in 1929? Help me out, someone. The Great Depression. The Great Depression, along, along with it, was the, the great stock market crash. People were losing their minds. People's money went to nothing overnight. People got so upset there were people literally jumping out of buildings because their life savings were gone, just like that. So why the name? Well, reportedly, Mr. Dreyer actually named the ice cream uh, of the Ice Cream Rocky Road as a bit of an allusion to the tough road ahead. In addition, he chose the name to bring a smile to people's faces during the Depression and perhaps bring a a little lift to their lives. And so with that in mind, I've come up with um, four ways this morning that we too can overcome the many rocky roads that we have to face in our life, because I'm a firm believer that you are either in a, one of three phases in life. You are either um, going into a, a difficult time or, or a storm. You are either in the middle of a storm or you are coming out of one. I don't wish it on anybody, but I just know it to be true. It's, it's what I've seen. It's been my experience in my own life. I enjoy the periods of when I'm out of it. Amen? But I know that, you know, Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. And so life is like weather, it just cycles. So if you're here today and and, and and I want you to listen to this message, if your road becomes rocky in any way, shape, or form, I want you to do four things. Number one, I want you to refocus, refocus. As a matter of fact, if you don't have an outline Go ahead and take one out. You can follow along electronically. If you don't have one, raise your hand. Let's get one to you. Refocus. Now, what do I mean by refocusing? Well, in Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. He says, to keep your eyes on who? Your problem? Your situation? Keep your eyes on? Who both began and finished this race wherein study how he did it because you never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finish in and with God, he, he could put up with anything along the way, the cross, the shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. And when I read this story, I, I, immediately someone came to mind, uh, Sister Rebecca, uh, she, she, she called us up and she said, Pastor Rick, I need you to pray. I need you please also to get the church praying, and can you come out? And this is what was going on. Her son, Austin, who and they've been uh, uh, associated with our church for years. Her son, Austin, he, he contracted a, um, something when he went down to the Keys, and it was attacking his lungs. And in a matter of days, he was on almost like life support. And, and so in that moment, she said, you know what? bringing him to the doctors. He ended up at uh, Joe DiMaggio, bringing him to the doctors, and the doctors were going to do all that they can, but his lungs were filling up. It's almost like you're drowning. He had pneumonia. It was severe. And, and so she called for the church to pray. She, she got people praying all over the world. And in the midst of that, she, you know, she could have just focused on the problem, but what did she do? She looked to Jesus. Amen? Amen. And in that moment, <laughs> uh, as, as he was being covered with prayer, and I think he, he was in the hospital some 22, 23 days, something like that, uh, uh, this is what the prayer did. Come on. Come on, somebody. To God be the glory. Look at God. Now, now, now I'm going to take it a step further because they're here today. Come on, somebody. Yes. Come on, stand up. Look at God. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. And our message to you today is, listen, I don't care what you're going through, whether it's something, an unexpected illness or some kind of financial situation or family or job loss, whatever it is, in those moments, you have a choice. We all have a choice. You can continue just to just focus on the problem, or you can focus on the problem solver. Come on, somebody. The way maker. To God be the glory. And so uh, the first thing you want to do if the road suddenly becomes rocky in front of you, to keep your eyes on Jesus. Let me give you the second thing. The second thing we want to do is to own our part own our part. Now what do I mean by that? In Proverbs 10 verse 17, the message, it says the road to life is a what? Discipline. A disciplined life. Now, I use that word discipline today and a lot of times the kids the people don't even know what that means. They don't even know what it means. Oh yeah, Pastor Rick, it's a disciplined life. Well, what does it mean? I don't know. But well, it goes on to say, ignore correction And you're lost for good. So the road to life is a disciplined life. But if you continually ignore correction, the Bible says consequences are coming your way. The good news says it this way. People who listen when they are corrected will live. But those who will not admit that they are wrong are in danger. The new century puts it this way. Whoever accepts correction is on the way to life. But whoever ignores correction will lead others away from life. In other words, you're not just affecting your life, you're affecting the people's lives around you because you cannot or will not listen to correction in your life. There are people who are out there who refuse to admit when they're wrong or or what they're doing or saying is wrong or, or to take counsel or correction from anyone. And the Bible says for those people, listen to me, if you're listening online, you are in danger you are in danger. Their attitude is, don't tell me what to do. I'll do what I want, when I want, don't care, and I don't care who doesn't like it or who, who, who it hurts. And we've had plenty of examples of, of people like that in the Scripture as well who, who to their own folly ended up bringing disaster not just on themselves but on the people around them. Second Chronicles chapter 25. It says Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. Imagine becoming a king at 25. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was, I'm going to say these names fast because you know, I don't want, I'm just going to mess them up anyway. Jehoadin from Jerusalem. And Amaziah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. But what does it say? Not wholeheartedly. But not wholeheartedly. I said last week, giving him half your heart is not going to get you there. 75% ain't going to get you there. 80% ain't going to get you there. He did what God wanted, but not wholeheartedly. When Amaziah was well-established as king, he, he executed the men who had assassinated his father. However, he did not kill the children of the assassins, for he obeyed the command of the Lord, written in the book of the law of Moses, Parents must not be put to death for the sins of their children, nor the children for the sins of their parents. Those worthy of death must be executed for their own crimes. We should think about that in light of the nonsense that's going on in the world today that's asking people who never owned slaves to pay, to pay, to pay reparations to people who never were slaves. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that, the, that children are not to pay for the sins. Of their parents, Come on, somebody. Another thing Amaziah did was to organize the army, assigning leaders to each clan from Judah and Benjamin. Then he took a census and found that he had an army of 300,000 men, 20, 20 years old and older, all trained in the use of spear and shield. He also paid about 7,500 pounds of silver to hire 100,000 experienced fighting men from Israel. But a man of God, verse 7, came to the king, and said, O king, do not hire troops from Israel, for the Lord is not with Israel. You have to understand that this time, Israel had a divided kingdom. And so there was one king on this side, and one king, even though they were all, they were all you know, Jews, but it was a divided kingdom. And some of them were listening closer to the Lord, and some of them were in rebellion to the Lord, and the Lord was not gonna back up the ones who were in rebellion to the Lord. So the man of God comes and says, those guys are not following the Lord. Do not hire them because it's only going to bring you problems. He goes on to say, he will not help those people of Ephraim. If, if you let them go with your troops into battle, you will be defeated no matter how well you fight. God, listen, God will overthrow you for he has the power to help and to frustrate. I'm talking to someone here today because sometimes your problem isn't the devil. Sometimes your problem (laughs) is your relationship with the Lord. Sometimes God doesn't allow us to move forward in the things that he's not pleased with. Come on, somebody. He has the power to help, and he has the power to frustrate. Because sometimes if he just lets us go off, we'll go off without him. He says, okay, I'm not going to bless that just to get you to come back the way you need to be. Amaziah asked the man of God, but what should I do about the silver I paid to hire the army of Israel? So he already paid for these people. What should I do? And the man of God replied, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. So Amaziah discharged the hired troops and sent them back to Ephraim. And this made them angry with Judah and they returned home in a rage. Now, why would they be upset? They got paid. They didn't have to work. But they are upset and they're angry, and the Bible says not even just angry; they, they're in a great rage. And so, what, so then it says Amaziah summoned his courage and led his army to the Valley of Salt, where they killed ten thousand Edomite troops from Seir. They captured another ten thousand, took them to the top of a cliff, threw them off, dashing them to the pieces on the rocks below. This is war. War is not pretty. Verse thirteen. Meanwhile, the hired troops that Amaziah had sent home raided several of the towns of Judah between Samaria and Beth Horam. This is, this is Amaziah's uh, uh, area right now. And they're going back and they're raiding and they, and they killed 3,000 people and they carried off great quantities of plunder while Amaziah was at war with the Edomites. So far, he's listening. He won a great victory. But this is where he tends to go off the rail. Verse 14: When King Amaziah returned from defeating the Edomites, he brought with him. What did he bring with him? Idols taken from the people of Seir. What's an idol? Come on, somebody, anybody, help me out. What's an idol? It's a false god. Basically, when I was in uh, when I was in um, India, I've never seen so many idols. You, so in this country we don't see it as much because we. Have, but they were everywhere and, and, and they, they don't want to get it wrong so they've got shrines set up to every single one of them and they're, they're on their mantel places when you go into their houses basically it's, it's, a, it's something that you make out of you know, wood or, or whatever and then you, you put it on a pedestal and you bow down and you worship the thing you made with your own hand <laughs> this is so stupid He set them up, so he brings them back. He sets them up as his own gods, and he bows down in front of them and presented sacrifices to them. Verse 15, this made the Lord very angry, and he sent a prophet to ask him. So now God sends another man of God to ask him, why have you worshiped God's liturgy who could not even save their own people from you? you big dummy. <laughs> but this is how far he's gone off, and he can't take counsel. But the king interrupted him and said, since when have I asked your advice? You, you just asked. Be quiet now before I have you killed. So the prophet left with this warning. I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not accepted my counsel. So after consulting with his advisors, King Amaziah of Judah sent his ch- this challenge to Israel, Israel's king Je- Jehoash, the son of Jeohaz oh, and the grandson of Jehu. Come and meet me in battle. Now he's, bold, he's emboldened, he's confident, he doesn't like what the, what, they, what the hired men did on their way out. He's rejecting the word of the Lord, he's bowing down the idols. He's threatening the man of God to kill him, and now he's going into battle. And the king Jehoash of Israel replied to king Amaziah of Judah with this story. Listen, out in the Lebanon mountains, a thistle sent a message to a mighty cedar tree. Give your daughter in marriage to my son. But just then a wild animal came by and stepped on the thistle, crushing it. You know what a thistle is? A thistle is like a little flower right here, a weed, it's a weed, and, and, the, and the king that he's trying to antagonize says, you're just a little thistle, you make a demand, something came, steps on you, <laughs> you know, it's an insult, he's insulting him, you may be very proud of your conquest of Edom, but my advice is to stay home, why stir up trouble that will bring disaster on you and the people of Judah, verse 20, but Amaziah would not listen for God was arranging to destroy him for worshiping the gods of Edom. So King Jehoash of of Israel mobilized his army against King Amaziah of Judah, and the two armies drew up their battle lines at Beth Shemesh in Judah. Judah was routed by the army of Israel, and his army scattered and fled for home. King Jehoash of Israel captured King Amaziah of Judah at Beth Shemesh, and brought him back to Jerusalem. Then, then Jehoash ordered his army to demolish 600 feet of Jerusalem's wall from the Ephraim gate of the corner gate. He, verse 24. He carried off all the gold and silver and all the utensils from the temple of God that had been in care of Obed-Edom. He also seized the treasures of the royal palace along with hostages. And then he returned to Samaria. Verse 25. King Amaziah of Judah lived on for 15 years, and after the death of King Jehoash of Israel, the rest of the events of Amaziah's reign from the beginning to the end are recorded in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Amaziah turned away from the Lord. There was a conspiracy against his life in Jerusalem. He fled to Lachish, but his enemies sent assassins after him, and they killed him there. They brought him back to Jerusalem on a horse. And he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. So what was going on? What, what, what's happening in this story in a nutshell? We know that Amaziah followed the Lord, and the scripture says he didn't do it wholeheartedly. He rejects the word of the Lord when God tries to warn him and give him counsel. And in rejecting the, Lord, the word of the Lord, it cost him not just his life, but the lives of his men. Everything that he owned was destroyed. The gold, the silver was carried off. And again, at the end of it all, he lost his own life. Listen to me. Our pride and stubborn ways does not only potentially drag us down, it will affect everyone around us. Come on, somebody. It will affect the people around us as well. And so God calls us to to not just... uh, God calls us to, to pay attention to what, what he's saying and to do what he says. So what should we do? Proverbs three eleven and 12, it says, My child, don't ignore it when the Lord disciplines you, and don't be discouraged when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. James 4, 6, the message, and when he gives you, And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud, but gives grace to the willing humble. Did you hear that? Scripture says God opposes the proud, the proud, those who can't or won't listen, but he gives grace to the humble. So we've got to get to the place where we own our part, we trust God for the rest, and we don't end up like Amaziah, Amaziah's name literally means the strength of the Lord, but in the end, how many of you know he didn't live up to his potential. He didn't live up to his potential, and so, how do we avoid the Am- Amaziah trap? Where well, we got to get to a place also, and this is your next one: is we've got to get to a place where we ask for godly advice. Ask for godly advice. How many of you know that not all advice is God advice? Because in the end, what did did he do? He rejected the word of God. He rejected the the person that God had sent to him. And then he went to his own counselors who told him what he wanted to hear. And what did that counsel end up doing for him? He lost everything. So not all advice is good advice. And not all advice is God advice. Too many of us are seeking advice in all the wrong places. Here's an example of what bad counsel will do, yet it's become widely accepted in our community today. Take a look at this.
1: My name is Stephanie Wynn. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist with 10 years of experience counseling a diverse array of individuals and families. Detransitioners are a uniquely traumatized and rapidly growing population with complex needs. One of their most common grievances is that when they initially sought counseling for their gender-related distress, mental health professionals simply affirmed their gender identity and ushered them along a the path of social and medical transition. Without exploring their reasons for wanting to transition or properly assessing their psychiatric comorbidities, trauma history, family dynamics, or Internalized homophobia and how all of these might play a role. Detransitioners now suffer mental and physical anguish daily, including pelvic pain, surgical scar pain, vaginal atrophy, infertility, inability to orgasm, inability to breastfeed, urinary tract infections, metabolic and endocrine disruption, osteoporosis, cardiovascular disorders, and early dementia. All of these ailments place them at increased risk of depression and suicide. These vulnerable patients were victims of therapists who neglected their duty to ask questions, evaluate comorbidities, encourage self-acceptance, and support healthy, long-term decision.
0: Did you hear what she said? I know she spoke kind of fast, but she's a counselor, and what she's finding out, because it's becoming popular now, to try to convince children that, Girls are their boys, boys are their girls, and trying to convince them to go in for surgery and to do permanent damage. Now you've got all these people now who, who they were convinced to do that because they they call it gender affirming because they're convincing them that you, know, you must be right. By the way, the medical, the medical people are making millions and millions of dollars off of these stupid surgeries and maiming these people for lives. And now they're growing older, and they're like, and, and they've been taking hormones. And the, man, and the women who turn into men, you can't change it, divorce now. Now you just sound like a dude. And they're like, I can't believe they allowed me to make a decision like this as a, as a child. And, and they're becoming suicidally depressed. And they're becoming because they've ruined their bodies because some idiot gave them bad counsel. That's what's going on in this country. You can pick your gender. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Amen. From the pit of hell. Amen. That's what they're doing. And so not all advice is God advice or good advice. Not all advice is from God. And so you've got to be super careful that the advice that you're getting is from the one above. Amen? Psalms 1, 1 through 6 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with scoffers. But they delight in doing everything the Lord wants. Day and night they think about this law. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season without fail. Their leaves never wither, and all they do, they prosper." But this is not true of the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Now listen, just for kicks, I'm going to read it in the message. Because they always, it's a modern day vernacular. And they try to put it in the way that people talk today. Psalms one, 1 through 6. How well God must like you. You don't hang out at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along Dead End Road. You don't go to Smart Mouth College. Instead, you thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom, You're not at all like the wicked who are mere windblown dust without defense in a court, unfit company for innocent people. And this is the part I like. God charts the road you take. The road they take is skid row. Some people are on skid row. They don't even know it because they've swallowed a whole bunch of nonsense that this world is piping at them. And in the end, it's only going to cause you problems. Don't be stuck on stupid. Listen to the word of the Lord. Lastly, if you're going through a difficult time, choose not to walk in darkness Don't walk in darkness, and whatever you do, don't quit. And here's how, and here's why. Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Your word, God's word, is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto my path. And so if I make a priority of the light of the word of God in my life, The Bible makes a promise I will not walk in darkness. If I make a priority of the word of God in my life and elevate it over customs and culture, because customs and culture are constantly changing. And if you're one that constantly blows with the wind with whatever they say, whatever they what they say, this and they say that, who cares what they say? I want to know what the Bible says. I'm going to take my stand on the Bible. If I elevate the Word of God in my life, the Bible says I will not walk in darkness. And Jesus said this in Matthew 5, verse 14, and and this is the expectation of the church and those who love him. He says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So, when you walk in the light of God's word, listen to me, and we let our light shine, i.e., our good deeds, it causes people. To bring glory to God. Amen. This person is actually living for the Lord and he's not living a duplicitous life and he's not saying one thing and doing another. He's not coming to church on Sunday and saying amen and jumping in the bed with somebody else on Monday or going to the strip club or going to, you know, partying, you know, you know doing all sorts of foolishness. You're actually living by the grace of God what you're saying. And the Bible says <laughs> it will cause men to bring glory to God, amen, when they start seeing you living this way. That means my agenda isn't all about me, myself and I, it's about what God is wanting to do through me. And one of the best ways I know to get through rough patches in my own life and is to, um, focus not just on my needs, but focus on the needs of someone else. Amen? And that reminded me of the, some other people that's in our congregation, Kayla and the Lasowskis. The um, they have served faithfully alongside me at this church 20 years, right? For, for some of them, 20 years. Um, but Kayla, she recently lost her husband. She has two small children. One of them got baptized yesterday. And so she lost her husband, and I I called her up after the funeral. And I know we have some things going on church-wise that she normally volunteers for. And I called her up and I said, listen, I understand that if you want to take a break from serving at this time because of all that's going on. And her answer blew me away. She said, no, Pastor Rick. You don't understand. It helps me to focus on something positive if I'm helping someone else. So please don't take me off the volunteer list. Amen. (laughs) If you see her when you see her, if you see any Lisowski, I want you to give him a hug. Because in that moment, I was so proud. I said, you know what? That's actually biblical. That's literally what the Bible tells us to do when we're dealing with problems of our own. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, this is what it says. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. Turn us someone and say, it's not just about you. It's not just about you. It says when, when there are trouble, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So wherever you are, it's never been just uh, whatever you're going through, it's never been just about you. It's about what God is doing through you. Amen? It's it's about he's going to bring you through this, not just so you can pat yourself on your back and go, phew, he brought me through another one. No, it's going to be part of your ministry. It's going to be part of who God is trying to reach through you because if you went through a difficult time, guess what? You're on the other side of that storm, but someone else is about to go through a same storm like you. And he's expecting you to stand up and say, listen, God did this for me. And he's not a respecter of persons. What he's done for me, he'll do for you as well. Come on, somebody. He will do it. It's never just about you. It's about who God is going to try to reach through you. Listen, I didn't just, I didn't say it. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. Anybody not ashamed to say, I love him today. I love you, Lord. So turn to someone and say, God's working it out. He's working it out. I don't care what you're going through. He's working it out. He's working it out in your lives. And concerning not giving up, this is his his promise. In Galatians chapter 6, Verse 9, it says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. What does it say? If we don't give up. Someone's out there, and you might be here today, and you feel like you you're ready to give up. Things have gotten so bad that you feel like throwing in the towel. I'm here to tell you today, don't give up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep trusting him. It goes on to say, therefore, whatever we, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone especially to those in the family of faith. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so your breakthrough is coming. Your breakthrough is coming. Do not quit. Do not throw in the towel. God causes all things to work together for the good. All things mean all things. All things mean he causes good things to work together for your good, and he causes bad things to work together for your good because he's working it out but he tells us don't quit But so many people quit Amaziah quit he gave he gave God half his heart not wholehearted and then at the end of his life he turned away completely from the Lord and it cost him everything listen If you're here today and you're going through a difficult time, refocus. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Own your stuff. Don't be so prideful that people cannot tell you when you're obviously doing something wrong. Pride comes before the fall and a haughty heart before destruction. Ask for godly advice because not all advice is God advice. This world will tell you what you want to hear and it will lead you into all sorts of foolishness because you just don't listen and refuse to walk in darkness. And whatever you do, don't quit because he's working it out. Keep putting your trust in the Lord and taste and see that the Lord is good. Why? Because blessed is the person who takes refuge in him. To God be the glory. Amen? But as we come to a close this morning, listen, we have the example of scriptures. And like I said, I love that the Bible doesn't sugarcoat the lives of the people in the Bible. Matter of fact, everyone should become a student of the word because it doesn't just tell you Samson took a door bone and busted a few heads. It also says at the end of his life because he kept compromising the area of women, he also lost his eyesight. They put out his eyesight. He lost his strength. He got it back at the end, but at the end of the day, he lost his life. And so it tells you in the Bible now, I'm a per- I'm, front of- I'm one of those guys that says I can learn. I can, I can learn from my mistakes, and that's difficult. But if I can look at somebody else's life and learn from their mistakes, it's less painful that way, <laughs> right? I want to look at your mistakes and say, "Oh, I'm not going to do that." <laughs> you know, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay in the church. Young people, stay in the church. Stay in the church. Because oftentimes we're like, oh, listen, that powerful testimony, he he was a drug addict, he went to prison, he got saved, and look, he's on fire for Jesus, hallelujah. Listen, let me tell you what a better testimony is. He stayed in the church, she stayed in the church. (laughs) She never got hooked on drugs. She never went through all that foolishness. She, She gave glory to God all the days of her life. Come on, somebody. She avoided it because she stayed on the path that God called her to to do. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or or, or where they sit or or the scoffers or any of those things, but you stay right where God wants you to be. Stay Stay in the church. And don't be an Amaziah who only gives God half of what is required. Because if you only give them half or 60 or 70, you've left 30% to be filled with foolishness. And that, and, and how many know the devil wants to fill your life with foolishness? If you give him a little bit, what did we say last week? How much? How much? That's it. In Jamaica, they had a song Shut the Door. Keep out the devil. Shut the door. Keep the devil in the night. You got to shut the door. Keep him out. Because if you let him in, he's going to take you for a ride. And those are the ways he comes in. Culture, uh, big one. The Bible says do not conform to what's going on around you. Stay on the way. So Lord, I want to give you my heart, my whole heart. And I want to surrender it all to you so that I could avoid a whole lot of foolishness in my life. And that even when I do go through foolishness, I'm constantly remember, I'm constantly remembering to keep my eyes on Jesus. Because he's going to see me through whatever I'm going through. This pastor's going through some things. Come on, somebody. 22 years though, we're still here to God be the glory and so if you're listening today you've not yet surrendered your whole heart to the Lord it'd be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer and it's not hard a lot of times you think oh this is so hard I can't do it, no it's not just, just acknowledge that you're a sinner and we all are sinners and that you need a savior and that's what Jesus came to do. He came to die for our sins. Amen? 2,000 years ago, that's what it was all about. He who knew no sin became sin, and, and in its place, he gave us his righteousness. And if I put my faith and trust in what he's done, the Bible says, I've become born again. And so if you're here today you've not yet done that, it would be my privilege and my honor to just lead you in a prayer committing your life to Christ. Let's everyone bow our heads and close your eyes. If you're here today, say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, say it out loud. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I've blown it in more than one ways. I ask you to forgive me for my sins, to come into my life To come into my heart from this day forward, I surrender all, not half my heart, not 60%, not 90%. Lord, I give you it all. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. And three days later, rising from the dead, fill me with your spirit with your power, and with your love. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, there's some in here and some listening that you're going through a difficult time right now. The word of the Lord to you is don't give up. The Bible says, cast your cares on me, for I care for you. My burden is light and my yoke is easy. Right now, whatever it is, just turn that over to Jesus. Just turn it over to. Lord, I give this to you. I need your help. If it's your marriage, if it's your finances, if it's an illness, if it's something going on with your children, turn it over to the Lord. And taste and see that the Lord is good. And we all said, amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.